Fantastic. Thanks, team. That was really, really awesome. God is so good, isn't he? We've just about made it. By tomorrow, you can say, we made it, you know, right through the year. Don't know where it went to. It's disappeared. It's gone. Won't come back again. That's why it's a great time to prepare for next year to make sure that every day counts and every part of your life is uh, going to be a good thing. Uh, my name's Bob, and I'm on the pastoral team here. Our lead pastor, Pastor Mike and Liz, and their family, they're away on holiday. And uh, so it's a privilege for me to be able to share with you today. I want to talk to you today about memorial stones, stones of remembrance, remembering your spiritual encounters with God, the faithfulness of God uh, through what he's done in your life. And I think it's really appropriate at the end of the year to sort of just take a moment and reflect and consider, you know, all that's happened this year, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever's happened and how somehow, you know, God's brought you through uh, to this point. Biblical witness stones are common in the Bible where people made a commitment to God for some reason and put a stone in the ground that, that they might remember and come back to and remember again. And, and for you and me, I, I believe it's important to do a diary or a journal and, and just remember the blessings that God brings. I used to sing a, a song when, when I was pretty young, which is an awful long time ago. You know, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. The reality is we just forget. You know, sometimes we pray, God comes through, and then we forget. And, uh, you know, there's, if you start jotting those things down, where God has come through, where he's provided for you, where a healing has happened, where God's touched a family member, then you have like a memorial stone, something to come back to, to thank God for his favor. Some of the biblical witness stones, one of them was when Laban and Jacob separated after Jacob had worked for Laban for 20 years. And there was a lot of conflict between them, a lot of unhappiness. And when Jacob left, he fled from Laban, and Laban pursued him, caught up with him and said, why did you leave like that and leave my daughters, my grandchildren? I couldn't say goodbye to them. And, and so they uh, shared together and talked together, made a covenant together. And they put a stone in the ground, and they called it Mizpah. And Mizpah means a watchtower. And Laban said this, May the Lord keep watch between us to make sure that we keep this covenant when we are out of each other's sight. And their covenant was that neither of them or their descendants would ever pass that stone to bring harm to the other. And so it was a, a stone of remembrance. Samuel placed a large stone after a significant victory for Israel. He called it Ebenezer. Ebenezer means the stone of help. And he said, for up to this point, the Lord has helped us. Good thing to say at this time of year. Not just for this year, but for all of our life. Up to this point, God has been faithful. And because of his faithfulness over a short time or all of the years of your life, if he's faithful now, he will continue to be faithful. And that's exactly what Ebenezer uh, why Samuel called that stone Ebenezer. When Joshua and Israelite crossed the Jordan River, 
God told him to get 12 stones out of the center where the water runs and put it on the bank and make an altar that forever the people of Israel will remember God did a miracle to bring them into the land, brought them out of Egypt into his possession, and it was a memorial stone. In New Zealand, it's interesting if you go down to a, a little church by Lake Rotorua, St. Faith's Anglican Church, it has a script there about how the gospel spread through the Maori nation, particularly from freed slaves from the north that came bringing the gospel through all of, of New Zealand and, and the majority of, of the different tribes, the Maori tribes in New Zealand, uh, responded to Christianity. Two-thirds of the population, of the Maori population in New Zealand, became Christians. It was a tremendous season and time. In fact, the, the person I mentioned, Wurumu Tamahana, was, was a part of that move uh, that happened at that time. But if you go to Lake Road, if you go to that church, and there's a driveway in. You walk just over the driveway, and there's a little cemetery there. Just before you go in the cemetery, there is a stone that's set in concrete. It's an old anchor stone for a waka. And on it, it's, it's called... Honey would pronounce this much better than me. Timangarongo. So, whatever. You go and read it and see what it says. But it says this anchor stone was laid in September 1845 when peace was made between the warring tribes of Arawa and Rotorua and Tauranga. That was the power of Christianity in this country changed and transformed it forever. That's a stone of remembrance that they would never make war again. They were at peace together. In Habakkuk, it says this, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. That's the power of journaling, remembering somewhere to go back to. I think of Maggie and myself and our walk with God. You know, there are many memory stones. I mean, I, I don't need to go to a place to remember them, but our first house in, in Ranui, 44 Books Road, where one day when I was reading the Bible and seeking to know God, suddenly God turned up. Turned up in over a period of about, about an, three quarters of an hour, an hour, or whatever. God transformed my life. I received Christ as my Savior. And change happened within. I can never forget that. And then the little church around the road, little Baptist church. It's a big church now, but it was little then. Where we got baptized together. You know, they let us go in the pool together had our arms around each other and under the water and up again, you know. It's a memorial stone. And then uh, different, uh, I can remember in, in Queen Street uh, here in, in the Assemblies of God Church. Used to meet in the town hall and uh, then they had a little church building halfway up the top of uh, Queen Street. And uh, both of us received the mighty baptism in the Holy Spirit through that church and through that ministry. These are these are memorial stones. These are remembrance things that you can never forget where God has encountered and changed and transformed and led us through. Conferences at Waikanae where God spoke to us 38 years ago about joining Elam and what a, how pleased we are to make that decision, a right decision for God to lead us. And I'll never forget one night when I was leading the movement and, and in our conference we had overseas speakers, but we heard that God was moving in a significant way all around the world. And uh, so 
I said to, to, our, to our executive and to our leaders, I said, what I want to do tonight, I said, I don't want any worship. We're going to cancel our overseas speaker, and we're going to come together, we're going to have one song, and then we're getting on our knees, and we're going to seek God. There's a crowd, probably about the size of us here. And so we had one song, and then I got up and I said, well, that's it, folks. Get on your knees, lie on the ground, just whatever you want to do. We're going to seek God. And I can remember lying down on my face on the ground in, in the front of that meeting. And there was just nothing for a long time. Then suddenly, suddenly there was a sound of laughter and joy. Somewhere else there was some weeping, and somewhere else there was, there was noises going on all around as God was touching and moving amongst us. And I remember lying with my face on the ground there and nothing was happening at all. Maggie here was, God was, anyway, all this was going on. But I remember lying there on the ground, calling out to God, saying, God, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. I tell you what, when everybody else is getting the blessing and you're not, that's not a time to give up. That's a time to press in. And suddenly, out of mighty baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit, and God did some significant things. And for the next year, through the country, there was all sorts of Holy Spirit meetings were happening uh, through, that came through that particular encounter with God. Memorial stones, places, events, where we remember always, it is God's faithfulness. Without him, we can't do what he calls us and wants us to do. In, Jeremiah 20, in Genesis 28, it talks about Jacob. And you've got the uh, scriptures there in front of you. And I'm not going to read them out just for the sake of time, but I will be commenting and going to them for different things. Because for Jacob, this was a significant moment in his life. Jacob was leaving home for the first time ever. Jacob was brought up in a Christian home, a godly environment. His grandfather was Abraham. Couldn't get much better than that. So Abraham and Sarah were his grandparents, Isaac and Rebecca were his parents. He was brought up in a godly home. He knew the favor of God. He knew the blessings of God. He knew how to worship God. He knew all of these things, experienced them in his life. But you know, although he was probably over 30 years of age at this point, he never encountered God for himself. You see, being a third generation Christian, just because you're brought up in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian. Somewhere there's got to be an encounter, a decision in your own life where you receive Jesus as your Savior. And it's personal, and it's real, and it's transforming. And Jacob had caused trouble at home. He had pinched his brother's birthright and his blessing, got a lot of favor on his own life, but at the expense of his family. And in the end, things got so difficult at home that his parents said, you're going to go back to where your mother's home was, hundreds of kilometers away, and find a wife over there. And Jacob found himself leaving home, leaving the environment he'd known all of these years, never known anything different. And I imagine that first day as he left his home and he traveled towards his goal where he was going, he would have walked a long way. He would have thought about a lot of things. He would have thought about the bad things that he had done. He would have thought about all the reasons and the troubles that he had caused by seeking after 
God's way, but doing it his own way and not trusting God for the outcome. And finally, when he was exhausted, he says he finds a stone as a pillow and he lay down and he went into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he had a dream. He saw a stairway that went all the way to heaven. There were angels going up and down the staircase. And at the top of the staircase, there was the Lord Jesus standing there. And the Lord spoke to him and made a covenant with him. And I want to say this about God's covenant with our lives. It's a two-way covenant because once God had finished speaking, then Jacob made a covenant to God and a commitment to God. And it was very, very significant. But it's real for every single one of us. And Jacob, he woke up after his dream. And this is what he said. He said, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. You know, those are the words that are on the doorway of Westminster Abbey, you know, where the royals get married and uh, a beautiful building there. They've imprinted that on the door, that this is the uh, house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And he woke up with this thing. The reality is this, that God had always been with Jacob, even in the mother's womb. If you read the Bible, you see the account there saying what was going on in his and Esau's life. And God's purpose is going to be worked out in his life and what he was going to do. You know, in your life, God has always been at work in your life. You know, from before you were born, God had his hand upon you. You know, when I was seeking, Maggie and I were seeking after God, and we, I found God in my room at home. It was then that I realized, you know, what Jesus said. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Suddenly you realize, actually, this is your plan. God's always wanted to know me. God's always wanted a relationship with you. That's God's eternal plan for every single one of us, looking for us to respond to him. The conscience and the unconscious, sometimes we're not aware of the presence of God, but he is there and he was with us. And he promises, the Lord promises a promise of his presence, of security. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you. That's God's commitment to you. He will always watch over you. As you trust him and lead you, he will guide you to where he wants you to go. The names of God show his character, his benefits to us. He is the good shepherd. He's the Lord, our healer. He's the Lord, our provider. He's the almighty God, the most high God. But you know, the greatest name of God that is reserved for you and me is the name Father. He's our Father, and He owns us as His children. There is no greater privilege than knowing that God, the Almighty God, is your Father and that you are His child and you can trust Him as you do your Heavenly Father. Jesus said, I am with you always. In all ways, in all places, at all times. And there were the angels of God. We're going up and down the ladder. Who are the angels of God? Where are they? Do we, they're angels today. Where are the angels of God? Who are they? In Hebrews it says this, What are the angels then? They are spirits who serve God and are sent by him to help those 
who are to receive salvation. You know, angels have probably been more active in your life than you realize. When the two angels went into Sodom to rescue Lot and the family, they just appeared like two men. They don't all have wings and flap around and, and fly around. They appear as people. And I can, Maggie and I, can, we, we can think of times in our life where a person has intervened and made a difference to the situation we are in that if they hadn't helped us, it would have been really, really difficult for us. And we're absolutely sure some of those times, they weren't just people, they were angels that God had sent uh, to help us in that situation. God promises to care for us and watch over us. Angels are a part of his provision for us. Number second is, is the promise of provision, is blessing. All the families on earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. There's a generational blessing upon your children and your children's children and your children's children's children, and it goes on. But I tell you what, it's got to start somewhere. It may have started with your parents or grandparents or whatever, but when it gets to you, you've got to be a first-generation Christian. You know, Jacob was third-generation. For a good part of his life, he was living under someone else's blessing and not realizing that he could drive that, empower that, for himself. You may have Christian parents who have been brought up in a Christian family, a lot of favor around your life. Don't be lazy. Don't be a lazy person. Don't be like Jacob. Stir up the gift of God in you. God's got a plan for your life. You can serve. You can use your gifts. There's tremendous opportunities. You know, that's limitless what God has planned for you and what he wants to achieve through your life. He will bless you, and he will make you a blessing to others. The promise of protection, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I love the scripture in Isaiah 41, verse 13. I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, don't be afraid. I will help you. You know, as we enter this year, let's put our hand in the hand of God and trust him. In 1939... Great Britain and New Zealand had entered into the Second World War. And the King uh, George VI gave a Christmas message the same way the Queen still does. And uh, that year was a dark, dark time for, for Britain and for New Zealand because of the onslaught of war with Germany. And in his Christmas message, King George quoted this poem. He said this, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I might tread safely into the unknown. And the man replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand in the hand of God. That will be better than light and safer than a known way. And the king added, might that almighty hand guide and uphold us all. But you know, as you step out into this year, you don't know what this year is going to bring. Decisions are going to be made. Maybe you're going to live here or you're going to live there. Some of you are going to meet somebody that's special and you're going to wonder, am I doing the right decision? Is this the right person? And all of these things, you know, when you put your hand in the hand of God, you trust him to lead you, to guide you, to take you to places he wants you to be. 
and when we're going through the difficult times. And it's even more important to know that he is with us. David said in Psalm 23, even though I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid because you are with me. We don't need to be afraid when we know God is with us. There was a promise of perspective, of guidance and promises fulfilled. I will bring you back to this land, God said. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. We need to learn to trust in the Lord and not our own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he'll show you which path to take. And Jacob received these promises and his response was immediate. Immediately, his life was transformed. I tell you, this is no different to when I was in my home in Ranui and God presenced himself and I realized this is a life-changing decision. This is a moment that will transform me forever. And I realized that God loved me for who I am, not for who I might become, but he loved me for who I am. And he loves you in the same way. He wants the very best for your life. And so Jacob gets up. Surely the Lord is in this place. I was not aware of it. And he says these things. Number one, the Lord will be my God, a life of purpose, putting God first in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. See, so often we just get busy in life. God is an add-on or church is an add-on or whatever way we look at these things. But Jesus said, seek first, put God first, and then everything comes into order and makes sense right from the beginning of life to the end of it. A life of worship. He set up a memorial stone early in the morning. Immediate response. And he used what he had to worship God. He took the stone and he had some oil. And he poured oil as an offering over the stone to worship God from his heart. The oil speaks of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he set that memorial stone. And he said, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. That memorial stone would remain there. You know, Jacob went and worked for Laban for 20 years. 20 years before he came back. When he was traveling back to Canaan, God said, go to Bethel. And he took his family with him. You know, when Jacob left, he had nothing. He had no money. A little bit of money, a little bit of goods that he'd been sent away with. When he came back, he had wives. He had 13 kids. <laughs> things had changed. He had flocks and herds and wealth because over the 20 years, God had blessed him incredibly and made him very, very wealthy. You know, change and blessing doesn't just happen in five minutes. It happens as we work hard and as we put God first and he blesses us in every area of our life and with our family and with our children. And God did amazing things. When Jacob came back after 20 years, to this point, he was a changed man. He was a different man. In fact, God had changed his name from being Jacob, which means a supplanter, a deceiver, or a cheat, to Israel, the prince of God. And the nation of Israel is named after the name that God had given to this man. And thirdly, it was a life of ministry. He called the place Bethel. Previously, it had been called Luz, L-U-Z, which means separation or departure. He gave it a new name. It was a new understanding. You know, church isn't the building. It's people. You are the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. 
develop a love for God's people and God's house and all of its purposes. David said, one thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple and a life of generosity. He said, of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. He made a commitment to God of every blessing that God gave to him. He was going to give a portion back to God. And you know, it's important in our life that in our commitment to God, it's two ways. God will watch over you. God will provide for you. God will bless you and he will make you a blessing. But he's also looking for our response to him. The Lord will be my God. You know, there is no turning back when we decide to follow him and to give him our life. Our God is a generous, loving God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I don't know where you're at, at the brink of 2019, come through a year, can look back, it's holiday time, we've got a little bit of time to breathe, a little bit of time to relax. It's great, whether you're with family or separate from family, to reflect on the year that's gone by and the seasons that have gone by. Think about some of those memorial stones. Some of them may be very real and powerful to you. For others, there will just be events that have happened that where you've known and sensed that God has been with you. You might have arrived at this point of time and things are very difficult for you. But you know, today is a reminder that God is faithful. He will lead you, he will guide you, and he will continue to bless you. Can we just take a moment and close our eyes and maybe just reflect if God's spoken to you in one particular area, what I've been sharing. Maybe it's about your walk with God. Maybe you know about God, but you don't know him personally in the way that I've been talking. I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment, and if you want to make that your prayer, I invite you to pray it. Just pray it in your mind, in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud, but as an act of commitment to God, like Jacob did. He changed his relationship with God in that moment. If you want to do that, you feel free to pray after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, you say, if I invite you to come into my life, that you will come in. You'll make me your child. Lord, help me to be the person you want me to be. And Lord, as I enter into this new year, you guide me, you lead me, teach me your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, God's an awesome God. It's not just for those that have received him. Some of you are stepping out into new things. May God continue to bless you and guide you in it.